From WNYC in New York, this is On the Media. I'm Brooke Gladstone. And I'm Bob Garfield. Back in December, when we put together our Breaking News Consumer Handbook Election Polling Edition, we warned against taking general election polls too seriously too early. A quick rehash. One, pay attention to which firm produced the poll. The five big ones that determine eligibility for the upcoming debates, which include the CBS New York Times poll and Fox News, those employ live interviews and are therefore more reliable, but they're also less frequent. In their absence, news outlets often draw upon automated and internet polls, which are much more likely to be untested, historically inaccurate, and on occasion, fake. Look at a bunch of polls and outlets that aggregate them because trends and averages matter most. With the conventions a month behind us, those trends suggest that Donald Trump's incendiary populism is increasingly unpopular. As CNN's Brianna Keller recently pointed out to Trump Organization lawyer Michael Cohen following the replacement of the campaign chief two and a half months before Election Day. You say it's not a shakeup, but you guys are down. And it makes Says sense who? that there would Says polls, who? most of them. All of them? Says who? Polls. I just told you I answered your question. Okay. Which polls? All of them. This exchange was duly noted by the quants over at 538.com, Nate Silver's data journalism platform, where consolidating polling data is what they do. Senior political writer Harry Enten joins us once again to explain what all of them means and what it doesn't. Harry? Well, what we know from the past is that candidates who are leading by the margin which Hillary Clinton leads right now usually win. And in fact, no one this far after the conventions has actually lost since Harry Truman beat Thomas Dewey in 1948, and the polling technology back then was different. But the idea that someone can't close a margin that's six and a half percentage points isn't borne out in the past. You can look at the 1980 campaign, for example, where Ronald Reagan was basically tied with Jimmy Carter at this point and ended up winning by nearly 10 percentage points on Election Day. So these margins can close. One way they can close is if there's some sort of scandal, some sort of October surprise that causes Hillary Clinton's campaign to implode. People are looking over their shoulders at the FBI's release of emails over the next WikiLeaks disclosure. Is that the kind of event that can cause the gap to close very quickly? Any historical precedent for that? I would point to, say, 1968. Good evening, my fellow Americans. When Lyndon Johnson was basically trying to end the bombings in Vietnam and trying to create the original October surprise. I speak to you this evening about very important developments in our search for peace in Vietnam. As the Vietnam position of the Democratic Party became more dovish, there was a closing of the polls. And I think Donald Trump is hoping something similar will happen this year. Maybe it's a WikiLeaks, maybe it's the debate, but usually most single events don't have an impact. And this is why I often warn of be wary of the outlier and be careful of any momentary trend that you think you see in the polls see if that trend still exists in a week or two. Remember in 2012, for example, we saw after the first debate, Romney come back in the polls and everyone was screaming, oh my God, this election's a toss-up. New polls show a race completely up for grabs. New ABC Washington Post poll shows the race is now at a dead heat. 
But in fact, two, three weeks later, we ended up pretty much exactly where we were pre-debates, which was Obama clearly leading. National polls seem to have the benefit of taking the temperature of the whole electorate. But you advise against putting too much stock in national polls. Why? There are two reasons why. Number one, obviously, the winner wins by winning the Electoral College. So you need to know who's winning in the individual states. Though I should say, if someone's leading by, say, six and a half points nationally, they're probably going to win the Electoral College many more times than not. But, you know, who knows? Stranger things have happened. The other reason why is that we know historically, for whatever reason, the state polls, when aggregated together, in fact, give us a more accurate read of the election than the national polls do. Again, we can look back at 2012, for example. On election day, when the state polls showed an overwhelming electoral college victory for Barack Obama and the national polls showed a tighter Obama lead, it was the state polls that ended up being correct. So in our political environment, 42 of the state results are preordained. They're going to be red or blue, and we know that already. This brings us to the swing states. Is that what 538 does, focus entirely on those swing states? Even if we believe that 40 or 42 of the states are already preordained, we can't be sure of that, especially in this election cycle where Donald Trump has upset the apple cart so many different ways. We are looking at all of the state polls. We're aggregating them together. And from those state polls, we know whether or not the swing states are still the swing states. And we're then able to project out what's the chance that Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton is going to be able to win this election based upon mostly the state polling. National and aggregated state polling results usually conform to the popular vote. The Electoral College and the popular vote are usually the same, but not always. Not always. Even a young lad like myself remembers in 2000, for instance, when the state polling actually suggested that Al Gore was probably going to win. It was going to be a very tight race, though. And then the national poll suggested George W. Bush was going to win easily, and that was a case in which the state polls, again, were correct, mostly while the national polls weren't, but the final result showed that the national winner didn't line up with the winner of the Electoral College, and that's why it's so important to look at the state polls, because in a lot of the red states, Donald Trump still leads in the states that Mitt Romney won, but by a smaller margin— And that has allowed the national polls perhaps to show a wider lead for Hillary Clinton because she's doing better in those red states, but she's not running up the margin as much in the swing states, which is where this election will ultimately be decided. We're trying to understand how to evaluate polling results as they're reported in the press. Some polls measure the showdown between the Democratic and Republican nominees. Others include the Green Party and the Libertarians. What do we do? Well, we are looking at the polls that include all of the party candidates because right now there is, in fact, a difference between the polls that include Gary Johnson, Joe Stein, and those that don't. Donald Trump closes the margin a little bit on Hillary Clinton when you include all of the candidates. It's a little bit more than a percentage point. Now, that doesn't matter so much right now as Hillary Clinton holds a very large lead. But if the race gets closer, it could get very interesting because you might get a signal from the polls that don't include Johnson and Stein that isn't confirmed by the polls that do. I read a recent piece, I think probably by you, and the most fascinating passage in it concerned the difference between closeness and certainty. We were constantly seeing this formulation at 538 and the New York Times. 
that there is an 88 or 90 percent probability that Clinton will prevail. But you're saying that large gaps such as we're seeing now between the candidates may suggest volatility more than they suggest certainty. If you look at 2012, Obama had a very steady lead. This time around, remember right after the Republican convention, for instance, Donald Trump closed the gap significantly with Hillary Clinton, even led in some polls. So that's one thing. She is still most likely going to win, but some days she leads by seven or eight. Where, in fact, a month ago, that lead was in the low single digits. Right after the conventions, it might have been in the high single digits. And what the model does is it takes that into account and says, you know what, this race may not be as over as the margin suggests it is. So even though Obama had only a 2% lead the day before Election Day in 2012, the Obamas would have been better advised to fit the Lincoln bedroom for drapes than the Clintons are today, even with this yawning 7% gap between her and Trump. Right. Barack Obama's polls were very consistent. People's votes were locked in. That's not as much the case this time around. There are a lot more undecideds, which gives Donald Trump an opening. It may be a small opening that might allow him to climb back into this race and potentially win. Harry, thanks so much. Thank you. Harry Enton is the senior political writer at 538.com. You can find the Breaking News Consumer Handbook Election Polling Edition Part 2 at our website on themedia.org. Coming up, a dust-up over trigger warnings in safe spaces and who's really being coddled on campus. This is On The Media. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter. Or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. 